restoring that confidence, that transparency, that high integrity, having those expectations, I think are, are key. And at the risk of being a little overly ambitious, I think when we can make progress on that, it makes it possible for us as Oregonians to, to have some ambition, to think about our ability to take on big things that can really contribute to the sort of state we all want to be part of. Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm excited to have someone back. I think this is maybe their third time on the show. But I always love talking to him and he has a lot uh, going on and <laughs> to announce. So I'm very excited to have Tobias Reed, who's our Oregon State Treasurer back on the show. Hey, Tobias. Hi, thanks, Dan. So, you know, for folks who uh, maybe haven't listened to the show before, but would love for you just to give a little bit of your journey uh, to becoming the treasurer. And then, you know, I think, you know, some people maybe don't know the, the, the scope of what you do as treasurer. So maybe uh, talk a little bit about that as well. What? You're kidding. Uh, uh, Most people don't realize there is a state treasurer, let alone who the state treasurer is or what the state treasurer does. But uh, happy to talk about that as well. And appreciate the the chance to have a a conversation about uh, a a variety of topics today. I'm an Oregonian by choice. I wasn't lucky enough to be born here, but I was smart enough to come here when I when I got the opportunity. Came came for college and have more or less stuck around. And and really, all of my commitment to public service traces to my parents who were really clear uh, in describing how I benefited from, from people who'd come before me and how, as a result, uh, I had an obligation to try to, um, to pay some of that back. And the, the best way I've found to try to make good on that is to try to contribute to a state that's going to be better than, than when I got here. And uh, I really focus on trying to open up opportunities for people who haven't had them before. That's been true for me as a, as a state legislator, um, as state treasurer. And now I'm, I'm excited to be in a, a campaign for secretary of state because I think it's really uh, at the center of, of where our democracy goes to work. And in that sense, there's a kind of a, a thread between being a protector of financial resources in the, in the treasurer's office and, and a protector of democracy in the secretary of state's office. But no, we'll get into the secretary of state stuff. So to answer your uh, your original question about the state treasurer, it's really, I think, best to think of the treasury as kind of a, a hub of, of financial concerns for, for Oregon. We uh, make sure that uh, we're investing the state's portfolio well. The largest portion of that is the pension fund that, that supports the retirement of almost 400,000 people who have devoted their careers to, to serving us as members of the public. We issue all the state's debt, look after the, the credit ratings so that we can finance infrastructure and all kinds of uh, things that, that we rely on. And we run a, a series of financial empowerment programs, the most 
well-known probably as the college savings plan that's uh, uh, helping hundreds of thousands of Oregonians uh, save for uh, education after high school, not just college, but community college and trade schools and apprenticeships as well. Uh, we also have a really a transformational program called Oregon ABLE that helps people who are living with disabilities. And the uh, Oregon Saves program, the first in the country, it's an opt-out IRA for people in the private sector who don't otherwise have an opportunity to save for retirement work. That's about six years old now, has about 120,000 funded IRAs of people who haven't otherwise been uh, been saving for retirement. So I uh, think of us as a, as a financial hub that uh, looking out for the, uh, for the interests of Oregonians over the long term. And how big, I'm mean, just kind of break up when we look at it like mm-hmm. a leadership perspective, how big is the team? The treasury team is about 200 people. Um, we have a, a portfolio in total of about $130 billion. The retirement, uh, the pension fund is about 90 to $100 billion of that. Uh, and there's a variety of other, uh, other components of our, our portfolio. 120,000 uh, accounts in, in Oregon Saves. Uh, similar, maybe even a, f- a bit more in the college savings world. So, um, and we're the bank for the state. So there's a lot of transactions that are, uh, that are going through any, any public money that moves into or out of Oregon, uh, goes through treasury as well. And I mean, looking back at your time when you're in the legislature, some of the, what are some of the things that, uh, folks should know about? I think one of them, I believe when you're in legislators affects a lot of me, uh, particularly a lot of other folks is the full day kindergarten. So are there some oh, other yeah. things you want, you know, noted that maybe you worked on or? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, full day kindergarten, I think is something that, that really sticks at the top of the list for me because it is such a long range impact. And to think about the impact that that has on, on families who, who otherwise have to think about the cost and the quality of, of preschool and, and um, early parts of education. Uh, and obviously the impact on uh, on young people who are just starting their their educational journey. Um, I, the nice nice thing about the connection there is I'm, I'm the chief investment officer as the treasurer now. So I, I know there is no better investment uh, for Oregon than in, in young people. And the evidence is just so clear that, that when kids get that start early on, they're in much better position uh, to, to move along their educational journeys and live up to their full potential. So um, that was absolutely a huge thing. Um, Oregon Saves, the, re- the retirement uh, program that I just mentioned, uh, was a nice bit of continuity. It was one of the last things I worked on as a legislator, and then we got to uh, help implement it um, as, as treasurer. I'm a big fan, not surprisingly, and part of what uh, maybe led me to, to run and, and serve as treasurer uh, in, in financial stability. So I, I spent a lot of time in the legislature trying to boost our, our reserves and our mechanisms to, to have uh, money in place to, to weather economic downturns. The way that, uh, that we're able to do that helps not only the, the budget resilience of the state, but also has an impact on our credit rating, in fact. Uh, so the, the people who are lending us money through bonds or are interested in our, in our ability to repay them uh, and we get better rates and we have more in reserves. Um, so those are all really important things um, and they have definitely informed the, the approach I, I take as treasurer and I'm, I'm sure they will uh, if I'm lucky enough to be secretary of state as well. Yeah, it's hard to remember a time when there you know, wasn't full day kindergarten. I mean, my kids, you know, mm. are going, that, going, going well, I have one about to go in kindergarten next year. And I'm just like, wow, you know, that would be. That was the funny tough. part about that yeah. whole debate too, because we had, we were having a, 
it, it was just mystifying to me that people were not, um, you know, enthusiastically supporting it. And it was so reminiscent of the debates that were happening decades before about the existence of half day kindergarten. Uh, the, the, it's still mystifying to me. And, and I'm glad to hear you say that. You know, <laughs> When did we not? Uh, quickly, right. we adjust, and it just makes so much sense that uh, that people should have that that opportunity and um, get people off to a good start in their educational journeys. Well, I want to ask. I know you're a uh, disclaimer. You're, you're not an economist, but uh, we'd love for you just you know maybe talk a little about where we're at as a state, kind of financially, and anything you know important to Oregonians on, on that front that you'd like uh, to convey. Yeah, you know, I think we're we're at a really interesting uh, point, and and there's so many things going on. Um, every it feels like every uh, every few weeks when when markets are anticipating a big release, and there's a, there's an anticipation of something bad going to happen, and and it hasn't happened uh, in in a lot of ways. So the market is proving really resilient, but there's still a lot of questions. I mean, how how long are our interest rates going to remain high? What's going on um, internationally? Um, there's a there's a lot of um, terrible things happening in in the Middle East and Russia and Ukraine. How those ripple through through the rest of the um, the world? Um, we're not immune from those things in Oregon, and we have to pay attention to them. At the same time, um, I think it's also really important to acknowledge that the economy looks different in Oregon depending on who you are and where you are. Um, the, the experiences in, in urban parts of the state is different from rural parts of the state. Demographics uh, of, of Oregonians impact their experience. We've, we've seen a lot of, um, of a disconnect between um, the skills that are that are needed in the workforce and, and what's available, the, the obstacles and barriers between capacity to, to adjust to that. I had a meeting earlier this week with um, uh, building trades, uh, some of whom talked about how they have you know really effective um, apprenticeship programs and waiting lists for them mm. um, that people you know can't get they don't have the capacity to get through them even as there is is work to be done and obviously we're continuing to to try to uh, make it easier for people to find uh, affordable places to live in in different communities around the state so I think there's a lot of reason to be hopeful and, and encouraged. Uh, but it's not as if we don't have challenges in front of us. And, and in the end, uh, I'm in the same place I have been for a long time, which is to say that, that the things that really make a difference for a state over the long run, as long as you're not a, a giant outlier on other things, really comes down to three things, education, innovation, and infrastructure. Are we able to, to make, uh, make those, those things move in the right direction over the long run? The rest of the time, we're just as subject to what's going on in the rest of the country and the rest of the world as anybody else. So we can focus on those things uh, over the long run. That that's what's going to make the the kind of state for our, for our, your kids and mine and, and others um, that that we want for them. Okay, well let's we'll talk about Secretary of State. Here you are. You're running for another office, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think um, I want, you know I want to get into what inspired you to run for it, but um, just to break down kind of the position a little bit. Obviously. Um, responsible for our state's elections. Yep. I want to get into that. But mm -hmm. you're also responsible a lot and work with a lot of small businesses, that office. I mean, I'm yeah. someone who has multiple LLCs, so I interact with Secretary Stern a lot of things. So can you talk about that part first, kind of the way that position in that office uh, works with small businesses? Yeah, every business in Oregon, small or otherwise, mm -hmm. uh, registers with the Secretary of State's office, the corporation division. And 
it's my strong opinion that that office should should be a a partner um, to to businesses, not not a, a bureaucratic barrier. It, it's it's not that businesses you know should be able to do whatever they want, but we should be sending the clear message um, that that we want businesses to be in Oregon. We want them to succeed. We want them to grow and hire people and solve problems and provide solutions. It's possible, I, I believe, to have both of those th- things happening at once, to say, here are our expectations about how business operates in Oregon, but we want you to succeed and, and we, we want to help. And there are lots of examples, I think, of where we can do that, um, making it easier to do the, the standard updates and, and renewals that, that businesses need to do. Um, lots of places where we probably all interact with, with the world on the web and, and see things that are pre-filled and, and pre-populated and, and automated. Um, I think all of those things are, are worth, worth uh, pursuing. I also had an interesting conversation with one of the business groups in Oregon that, that, uh, in which they related the ongoing challenge for businesses to keep track of where new regulations and requirements are in, mm. in state government and, and the potential of the Secretary of State's office to be a, a single source for that sort of thing. So it would be easier for businesses to say, here, here are the new expectations, here are the things I have to figure out, and, and less challenge collecting that from, from multiple sources. So my background is treasurer and, and my interest in, in business, both as a um, legislator and, and as a, a person who, who worked in business, I think um, puts me in a position to uh, to be a partner uh, rather than a than a bureaucratic uh, barrier. Yeah, and I second that on your point about it being it, it really is positioned well to be the central hub of kind of information. I mean, we we think about it, things like the Corporate Transparency Act that's coming up. You know, that's going to affect all of us, uh, bigger or small businesses. Well, talk about the election part. You know, not to. Uh, I think they this position has been in the spotlight c- across every state the past several mm-hmm. years now. So um, love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, there's nothing higher profile, nothing more important than than the voting process in in a democracy. And and for us, you know, we we've got a lot of things to be proud of in Oregon, being the uh, the first state to conduct all our elections uh, by mail or, or vote at home, as as we prefer to say. So I think we, we have a strong base from which to build, but we can we can make those things even better. And and more importantly, I think all of those have to be in service of efforts to make people more confident in how, how our processes work. What we want, of course, is an election in which everyone, whether their preferred candidate or issue won or lost, is able to say, I believe in that process. Maybe they also say, I really dislike the outcome. But but the next step should be so I got to get a better argument or convince more people. Not it was rigged, and it's it's a slow process in some sense. But but there are ways to do that. I'm I'm closing in on halfway through a, a statewide tour, physical and virtual, of meeting with all of the 36 clerks uh, in Oregon who who are the the people on the front lines on the ground conducting the elections, and they. Their challenges look different you know, in different states. The, the, the clerk in, in Wheeler County has, has uh, a different <laughs> picture of life than, than does the clerk in Clackamas County, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are all really committed to, to making sure that people have access and, and you know, the, the opportunity to observe how the mechanics of elections work. Um, is really powerful. Um, they are they are really committed to to doing this work um, with the utmost integrity, and you know it's it's really serious stuff um, to make sure that that 
everything has double badge access and is logged and um, really specific high security things because people need to know that that they can be confident about that. There are also some some fairly simple things that I think are, are affordable, which would contribute to people's understanding. In, in the metro counties, um, Multnomah, Washington, and Clackamas, the clerks there have, have opted to use something called ballot tracks. It's a brand name, so there are, there are other ways to do this, but um, voters can opt in and they'll get a text or an email or both their choice. Um, you're, you're nodding, so maybe you're, you're one of these participants yeah. in yeah. Multnomah County that says, hey, your ballot is on the way. So voters know to keep an eye on on the mail and and know to perhaps act if if it doesn't show up quickly. They get the same kind of email or text when um, the ballot is received on the way back, whether it's been mailed or dropped off in a Dropbox. And a third message that says your ballot has been accepted and will be counted. All of those things are fairly simple, but make it easier for voters to know where their where their ballot is in the process. Um, and I think. Things like that can really contribute to um, to people's confidence and ultimately their their choice um, to participate, knowing that that their vote is not only counted but valued. And we're all going to be better off when when more people choose to participate. And you, and I'm in Washington County, so maybe I we don't have that. I thought we, we did. We, so that's we right do. Now. We do. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so Multnomah okay. County has been doing it the longest. They have about 30 percent of voters who have um, have opted into that. Um, they had saw a big jump. When uh, in 2020, there was concern about the impact on the mail from from COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Washington County is about 5%. So I'm in Washington County as well. You and I are amongst those 5%, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Clackamas County is, is even newer. They have about uh, 2,700 people who are doing it. So I think they're all headed in that direction. And uh, all the other clerks that I've talked to are, are interested in, in whether they can do it as well. It's a, it's a question of, of cost. Uh, and that's right. a place I think the state ought to, ought to look at, at supporting uh, clerks in that effort. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, yeah. the infrastructure and costs and funding and and support. I mean, what are you hearing from some of the clerks? I'm sure there's some wish list or <laughs> yeah. just kind of uh, you know, around that. I mean, mo- most most clerks across the state have um, a variety of, of functions in their offices. So it's not just elections. Many of them do uh, recording, so real estate transactions. Some of them do, you know, dog licensing and mm-hmm. you know, other and passports and that sort of stuff. So uh, a lot of a lot of cases, a, a portion, sometimes all of their budget is covered by the fees that are associated with those transactions. Outside of that, they go to the to the uh, the county commission and and generally have a uh, an allocation from the county's general fund. But there is a, an interesting disconnect where the county clerk's offices, the counties themselves, are are responsible for conducting elections, only a small portion of which are their own. So they're, you know, they're conducting federal elections, they're conducting state elections, they're conducting um, local special district elections. Sometimes some of them are able to recover some of those costs from the um, cities and, and special districts, but the state doesn't contribute to that. Um, and it is getting more expensive. Um, the, the physical security of, of drop boxes, of, of election boards and volunteers, many of whom are um, of more advanced age, um, going out and, and picking those those ballots up, um, all of those things, the physical security of um, 
uh, of county clerk's offices themselves, uh, they're all they're all various levels of issue. Um, and you know, I've visited some of them. Some of them are, you know, are in in very nice physical uh, places. Some of them are, you know, in the in the back of the courthouse with with less mm. space than they probably deserve. So all those things I think are are worth looking at and thinking about the resilience of those um, those features and those those uh, facilities uh, are things I'm, I'm looking forward to being part of. Well, that's, I mean, that's honestly something I didn't quite know on around the, f- the funding. I don't know how that can be shifted if it can be at all, but it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. The state, the state can do that and, and, and could pick up those things. The state can, mm-hmm. can make grants about specific upgrades. Um, you know, many, many of the, many counties have, but not all counties have, have a backup sorter, for example, and, and adequate scanners in, in case one of them goes down. This, you know, the saying that, you know, Two is one, and one is none. Uh, when it when it has to do with those kinds of critical mm-hmm. pieces of infrastructure, so I think those are those are the kinds of investments we should we should be looking at. Well, a couple more topics here. I mean, um, you've ran you know a few campaigns now. Your your time in public life. What are some things you you learn going into this this next one? Well, it, it's worth noting it's a slightly different answer than the one you asked, but I'll get to it. Why am yeah. I doing this? Because I, yeah. I did yeah. not expect. Yeah running for secretary of state. I, I thought my time as treasurer was going to come to an end and I'd look for some other place to be useful. Um, but the, the turnover in the, in the secretary of state's office um, has been really dramatic. While I've been treasurer for the last seven years, we've had four secretaries of state. And wow. I think that instability, um, that turnover for, for a variety of, of reasons has really had an effect on, on what's happened there. And, and the choices that some of the people in those in office have made have hurt the credibility of the Secretary of State's office. It's so central to what we're doing that, that I think the stability and professionalism that's needed there is, is acute. And that's, that's really what I want to bring from, from the treasurer's office. When, when people don't have confidence in, in their votes and the, the audits that, that happen in the Secretary of State's office, it makes everything else we care about that much harder. So restoring that confidence, that transparency, that high integrity, having those expectations, I think, are key. And at the risk of being a little overly ambitious, I think when we can make progress on that, it makes it possible for us as Oregonians to, to have some ambition, um, to think about yeah. our ability to take on big things that can really contribute to the sort of state we all want to be part of. Well, yeah, thanks for bringing that, that up. I mean, I, it's important. And then I guess now following up with that about just the campaign part of it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I'd love to... It's interesting what you here? <laughs> because running for a statewide office that's down ballot, that's not governor, um, you know, people have, a, I think, an, an understandable reluctance to or, or unfamiliarity with these offices. Um, it'll be interesting after this campaign to think about which which campaign involves more explanation of the office. You know, and I, mm. I, I joke when I'm introduced as treasurer that you know, I think people are running for the door because they think I'm the, the tax collector. Right. right. It's not what we do at Treasury. And so people have, I think at this point, people have more of an idea about what the Secretary of State does because of the high profile ar- uh, around elections. But there's still a lot, even as, in, as we've done in this conversation, a lot to, to talk about when it comes to the corporation division, the archives division, or, or audits. So I think there's a lot of ex- education to be done um, as people have strong opinions and, and maybe not as much knowledge of, of what the office's authorities and responsibilities are. 
Um, but I think the highest value for me in terms of campaigning has been uh, interacting with people in their daily lives. I've really enjoyed talking with clerks. I have another conversation with, with a clerk later today. Uh, and each one brings a, a new level of understanding uh, about what's what's needed. And I think people want a Secretary of State who is committed to that office, who has the professionalism, the record of, of executive leadership that can really stabilize the, the office in a, in a way that it needs. Here, here. Yeah, absolutely. And well, one of the things I want to end on, I might ask you this last time we talked, but before we started recording, I mean, your dad too, you know, uh, your spouse works. I mean, you have a lot going on. It's like just managing that and just talk about, you know, your public life. I think you can relate to a lot of Oregonians of just uh, the family and, and yeah. working. So just how do you, how do you juggle all that? I appreciate you saying that. the The biggest thing is is that I'm uh, really fortunate, luckier than I deserve to be married to a, a saint who is uh, much more talented, much smarter, much kinder. You know, all all the, a much better person in, in just about every way. When people sometimes say thank you for running, I, I always say I'll accept the thanks on behalf of my family who who puts up with a lot as as perverse as it might be. I I really enjoy this work because it is fulfilling and it is a uh, a chance to try to contribute to the state. It's my family that that gets most of the downside and very little of the upside uh, of that work. So it's just a matter of of juggling, as you, as you say. <laughs> I feel sort of silly sometimes when people say, "What are your hobbies? What do you do for fun?" I'm like, I drive our kids around um, and go to their, to their athletic yeah. event, which is actually a lot of fun. I mean, right. Later tonight, I'll get to go to our our daughter's high school basketball game, and I don't. You know, I was I was never a great basketball player, but the value for me in playing was was the way everything else faded away. Um, right. like even if I wanted to think about other things while playing basketball, I couldn't. All you can think about is the is where the ball is going and are you positioned well and you know what's what's the next rebound and those sorts of things. And to to a somewhat lesser degree, the same is true as a as a parent. I can just watch that game and not think about um, the other things that are out there, and and that's a that's a rare treat. I think all of us have those opportunities to find find times like that with our our families, and and it's a balance to be struck. Doesn't mean you know. I, I think the the secret, not that I've I've achieved it, but that I continue to to strive for is is to be in that in that moment at that moment and then mm. and then let the other things come back as they as they must it's great life advice Tobias. i'm trying to take it because uh, i feel the same way and my kids are a little younger but just a preview <laughs> yeah <preview>. thank you <laughs> well Tobias, where can folks uh, learn more about your campaign just the work you're doing as treasurer and thanks uh fortunately on the campaign side it's uh it's real easy it's tobiasreed.com and i always uh, hasten to add that my read is like read a book r-e-a-d and the, the Oregon Treasury has a lot going on as well. That's easily uh, Googleable, even though I don't think that's a word. Um, mm -hmm. You can find us uh, uh, at the Oregon Treasury. We've, uh, we've, we've got a lot of Oregon College savings. I, you know, I, I wouldn't miss the opportunity to, to plug to another dad um, the value of uh, saving early for education after high school. Um, compound interests. You know, remember Einstein reported to have said it's the most powerful force in the universe. So put it, put it at your back rather than uh, in your face. Well, thanks again, Tobias. Looking forward to, um, you know, following along your campaign. Best of luck and uh, thanks it. again. Thank you. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. 
You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well. 